welcome to Nature's Neighbor. I am your host, Melanie Blinkenship, joined with my co-host, Mr. Eric Gorm, the owner of Red Frog Compost and Teas. And welcome to this December 27th, Monday, podcast on an extremely wet day, cold. Actually, in the forecast is a chance of snow. We get snow around here about every six to eight years. So we'll see if it actually happens. It feels like it possibly could happen. Um, You know, they literally say, Eric, when it rains, it pours. You would know. I would totally know. (laughs) I am living in a catastrophic muddy mess um, at the farm, Nature's Farm. We have received record amounts of rain in the last week and a half. So much rain, I can't even calculate in my head right now because it's happening so fast. On Christmas Christmas Day, we were receiving 1.89 inches an hour. (sighs) And it rained like that steady for several. So it was was unreal. I haven't seen rain like that in years. Uh, My 19-year-old and my uh, 15-year-old we're cracking up because they don't think they've ever seen rain like that in California. So that's how many years we've been in a drought and my children are experiencing their first really rainstorm. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, no matter what you do to prepare, you're never prepared. You just kind of have to roll with it and deal with it as it comes. Right. Have yeah. you been Have you been keeping track at all on on the east side of I mean, because I haven't. My my rain gauge is broken, so I got about eighteen inches in the pond. I was out there yesterday. I mean, still got a long ways to go, but that that pond's there to suck up the water. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yes. And so you were on your way to here at Nature's Touch in Templeton, and you passed by the Tassajara Creek. Oh man, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, the amount of rain that was coming down and everything else was phenomenal. I mean, when was the last time that you remember seeing it flow like that? I mean, it's been years for me to see the Tassajara. I don't go by there that often, to be honest. So the amount of rain was just like whoa. The Salinas is running. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's. This is crazy to think that here we are, just you know, a week and a half of rain, and our rivers are running. Um, you yeah. know, there's just there's just so much to be said about this. I, most people in the rest of the country have no idea how dry California has been. Then to now have the amount of rain that we have received, it's like well, it's, it's like record breaking. A week before the water came, California said they're not going to deliver water next year. Well, they don't have to because it's delivering itself. <laughs> there was going to be no water, and then all they needed to do that, and then it started to rain. You know, let there be rain, I guess. Yeah. All I can say is I'm extremely grateful for nature right now. With this amount of rain, there's a tons of cleaning. There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of change going on for nature with rainstorms like this and, you know, long periods of extended droughts. And But there's one thing that a really good friend of mine, an old roommate, she was Navajo Indian, and she reminded me all the time because in Arizona when I went to school, you know, we had monsoonal storms in the winter time, or excuse me, in the summertime which I was not used to rain in the summer, and I'd be like, wait, I can't drive right now because the roads are flooding in the middle of summer, right? So she'd always remind me that the rain brings prosperity. 
And so I have to always keep reminding myself as I'm watching my driveway get washed out, fields that had seeded it completely be eroded, you know, <clears throat> whoever captures that seed down creek, you're welcome, you know, so, you know, and and, and granted, why did I seed? Well, because we received a first really big rainstorm that we hadn't seen in December and forever. The seeds that I was growing needed cold soils, and I'm like, oh my goodness, never in December have I been this wet and this cold to be able to sow these seeds. And granted, you know, I lost probably about 30%, which is expensive, but at the same time, there's 70% out there still just so excited and so have my it's it's a range mix it's a mix that um i'm just trying to restore some californian vegetation for some different proteins for my range animals and so i'm excited to to capture what i did and and see and and see the germination that's already happened in the last couple of days because we've been that cold i um was laughing because you know they're forecasting snow tonight and tomorrow for us which is very rare um but as i was driving out of the driveway it was it was raining really hard and my children were like what is that well it was started to snow already and we were laughing because it wasn't sticking it was just snowing and then it would melt when and it was funny because it was like yeah what is that but then i'm like thinking oh my goodness you know with that kind of precipitation happening what's in the ground is going to thrive because of having that snow. And I mean, to think about what that's pulling out of the atmosphere and helping the carbon go back into the soil, like there's so much benefit for nature right now that I I can't be too frustrated with the amount of mess I have right now, you know, but you know, that's just, that's just surface to be dealing with. That yeah. subsoil that is so happy right now and to know that the environment is is receiving what it so naturally deserves is well, so I happy. Was, well, I was noticing that you know out there on the east side in Santa Margarita on that property, it got overgrazed. I mean, severely overgrazed. But we got that little bit of rain, and then we got 80 degree temperatures. Cause I was afraid of how much mud was going to move down the hills, and it's it's all staying in place so far. That's you know, yeah. And luckily, we had that rain, and we had the temperatures. You know, the grass started to grow. It's not. It's only four, four to six inches, but it's enough to keep, you know, the mud in place. You know. For people that are not local that are listening to this podcast, just to give you a visual, so we're in San Luis Obispo County, central coast of California, right in between Monterey County, Santa Barbara County, and and west of Kern County. So, just to put those into perspective, right, um, four hours south of San Francisco, four hours north of L.A., um, literally in our county, you can take what we call the Salinas River, the river that runs north. There's only one other known river in this world that runs north, and that's the Nile. Um, I've always thought that we are the Garden of Eden here, but, you know, just a mimic, maybe a mimic of the true one. But... Um, the Salinas River. So I farm on the west side. My store is on the west side, you know, two different locations. Um, the amount of rain that I receive at our farm versus the store, still on the west side of the Salinas River, um, several inches difference. I get a lot more rain on the west side on our farm than I do here at the store. 
cross the Salinas River, and the rain totals completely drastically change. Um, you know, I was excited to see that East Paso has received four inches, which that is a lot for Paso. Um, you know, we're in the last week and a half, I've gotten like 15, you know, so <laughs> that's the drastic and the difference that we are receiving East versus West, you know, more of a, you know, plain types area up to the east side were trees, a lot of oak trees, a lot of bays and California natives, uh, understory shrubs. And it's crazy. So yes, I get that amount of rain, but give me a day of sun and you can't even tell it rained. You know, on the east side, yeah, you guys are yeah, going to be able to see that you've received that rain for a little while. You're going to oh, have yeah. water in your creeks for a little while, where ours is going to rush through. Yes, we've captured some in ponds and stuff, but not to the extent of what you guys have on on the east side. So just right there, what you're saying, I mean, yeah, that. can you imagine if the east side got what the west side did? <laughs> you guys need to plant more trees over there to be able to, you know, really capture it. You know, tree, you can see, and why I say it, it doesn't even look like it's rain. Yes, we have runoff. You know, the Tascadero um, Basin, the Templeton water source is definitely receiving a lot of what I've gotten going through my property right now. But at the same time, you know, there, there's so much to be said about how trees and the understory capture moisture and retain it in the soil. So... You know, I, I'm hearing people talk about building of soils and, and, and really, you know, getting healthy soils to be able to absorb the moisture. But it's not one, one size fits all. It isn't one topic that is going to work for everything that we can do. Everything I am seeing in the years that I've been farming, the years I've been a soil activists, meaning I, you know, we have a ton of dirt, right? But we need to make sure that that dirt can go to soil so we can grow food and we can sustain life. So if we want to continue to build soil, we have to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It's not all the same, but if we can create, you know, what we once had, like people talk about these rainstorms like as being something we normally had. They weren't so destructive. Well, because we had a lot more trees, you know, so we have to be able to, in this sense, balance this out. Now, granted, there's a lot to be said about maybe overgrazing, maybe over farming and not having a diversity in these areas. I mean, we have such a, an abundance issue on one thing and a lack of resources on another. You know, I'm headed towards that topic we are talking about before the podcast started, and that is here we are on December 27th, and we only have a few more days left of this year. All of us business owners, all of us farmers, which are business owners, we're all knowing and aware of new, new laws, new compliances, new orders, new whatever that is going to take effect on January 1. Every year, I feel like since about... 1999, 2000. I feel like ever since then, every year, there's at least five to ten. Yeah. And every year since then, it just keeps more and more and more and more, right? And the one that I'm going to take and we're going to have this discussion about is the food waste law that went into place. So all grocery stores, small stores, 
um, different types of distribution packing facilities are now going to be required no zero tolerance of food waste um, how it reads is that you know businesses will have to show the compliancy in which they are are donating or moving that extra or waste anywhere but landfills so and the thought of food waste going to a landfill just I mean I'll never forget in high school we took a tour of Cold Canyon landfill when it first started and that's down in San Luis and I will never forget when they showed the video of the carrot that got thrown away and it was packed in their layers and how they used to manage trash back then and that when they were moving as amount of trash that had been sitting there for years and it compressed and that carrot was still in full form <laughs> right it preserved it people don't realize carbon dioxide preserves it doesn't allow things to break down and you know yes in our grocery store world everything we want to do is see how long we can get it to sit on the shelf so it's all about preserving it right but yet realistically we're not supposed to consume like that that's toxic and it's dangerous but it's we need to have the ability to be able to break it down and to to work it Janet, i'm excited to that now more than ever that we're all talking about composting we're all talking about waste um i mean where, where do we become the society buy more so what you bought it cheaper it's okay to throw it away oh yeah well where i'll tell we... you what i don't know i'm not sure how probably late 80s early 90s i used to go to williams brothers i remember williams brothers and, up on uh, preston road i'd have to go there every day six days a week and that all the perishable fruits and veggies we pick up for a cow yep and then um then we had to start every other day because somebody else came in and threw a fit about it. But that was, I mean, they were, we were psych, we were basically doing it for them back then. I don't know if people still do that or not. And there was a lot, I mean, we'd take a pickup load every day out to feed cattle, mostly lettuce and stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it's pretty easily done when yep. you think about it. Yeah. You know, people have gotten used to having big dumpsters, I guess. And the thing is, is you and I and this county, San Luis Obispo County, there are so many resources that we have because we thought of this issue years ago. We didn't need government to come in and tell us, oh, we're going to mandate you have no waste. I mean, I kind of giggle because for a long time people used to come in and go, can I buy your waste at a discounted price? And I'm like, my waste? You know, because they wanted to feed animals or they were making bulk food and they wanted it cheaper or, or whatever. And I'm like, waste? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any waste. And they're like, what do you mean? You sell everything? I'm like, well, that's, that's not the issue. The issue is, is in my mind, I farm this. I, you know, if I sell this whole thing, hippie, you know, right, right on. I've sold it all. But at the end of the day, if I have a little bit of leftover, that means it's going to the kitchen to be processed. If it doesn't go to the kitchen, it's going to go to feed animals. If it's not going to go to that, it's going to go to the compost pile. You know, I'm so grateful for you making compost and being able to have access to getting compost delivered to me because even with what I do, I can't produce enough waste to make my own compost for my own nursery. But, 
you know, to understand the amount of resources that you need to be able to do that, the thought of, again, throwing it away in a trash can is like, what? You, you mentioned Cold Canyon. I was a little bit disappointed on how they're going to handle this with the IWMA. They're going to do it all anaerobically. So they're yeah, going to grind? Anaerobic digesters. Yeah, they're going to grind it. And it's just like, to me, I would never buy that as compost. I wouldn't touch it. You know, because in the wrong conditions, it's going to go anaerobic again. Yep. It's still there, even if you heat it off, you do whatever. I've seen anaerobic waste. I've played with the byproducts when people have asked me to. If you put it in an area where it doesn't breathe, it very quickly turns anaerobic again. Well, then what did I just say about Cold Canyon? I mean, I'll never forget that video of that carrot that had been served, preserved for over years, yeah. you know, piled up in trash. And yet it never broke down because it never was experienced to oxygen. You know, it didn't have the right heat and the right moisture to break down to actually turn into soil or compost. You know, and that's, you know, compost is something we put into dirt to turn back to soil. It's not, you know, dirt is not compost. Yeah, compost is not soil. It's all a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But realistically, it's all about oxygen. It's all about the balance of everything. Oh, then the compost, too. It's all about the biology, and I guess that's why I'm kind of disappointed with what they're doing. Yeah. They're putting bad biology into it to break it down. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it'll come back. I just, I, I don't know. It's... But even just this whole concept of this food waste. And so the, the law states that you have to have some type of an agreement that is um, with an organization that will take your waste, right? Whether it be, you know, a donation of you know, a soup kitchen or a food bank or, and so on and so forth. Um, currently, I have an agreement with Glean, G-L-E-A-N, slow. They come by and check on me every couple of days to see if there's by any chance anything extra that they can take. Glean Slow is an organization that was formed years ago by just a group of citizens that realized that, you know, here we are in the strawberry capital of the world and the cabbage capital, Napa cabbage capital, and then you know, trees and, and, and all of this, that there was fruits and vegetables that were going unpicked. Well, a lot of the times farmers can't get pickers or can't afford to pick that extra because they've met their, met their contracts, hoping to sell the others, but don't have the time to do it. Now Glean Slow can go in and pick and get that to distribution to where it needs to be. And you can volunteer and go do it. Yeah, they're looking go, for volunteers. Go to their website, they'll train you. Yeah, gleanslow.org. Um, you know, they've done some amazing things, and the amount of fresh produce that has gotten out there because of them is pretty awesome. You just check out their website, you can see it all. You know, but there's issues that we have going on in this world right now. So to deal with raw material, right, raw vegetables, raw that, okay, so... For all of us that have animals, this is why I farm biodynamically. Everything has to go in a full circle, right? Everything has to serve its purpose and carry on. My, you know, any extra raw materials that I'm not going to turn into a food product goes to animals, right? And, and feeds my animals. That's why I don't just raise cattle. That's why I don't just raise pigs or chickens. I raise a little bit of all so that I can be able to have the diversity and keep things moving. Yeah, but the problem with donations, even Glean Slow, is, you know, delivering it to the food bank. You know, delivering, you know, Napa cabbage, I'm just going to use that as an example, to the food bank. 
at, you know, a certain day before a holiday or whatever, who's going to be there to process this, break it down and turn it into a food product? You know, people can't just eat it. I was going to work with a couple other uh, nonprofits in delivering them extra fruits and stuff. Well, there's days I could not deliver because they didn't have employment or volunteers to be there to process it. And then they also, because I grow such a diversity of, of crops that work for my soil, I couldn't even donate a lot of the things that I grew because people didn't know what it was. <laughs> we have a huge food insecurity, a food inability of understanding what it is. You know, we have become accustomed to seeing the same things over and over again that we consume as food. But people don't have a diverse understanding that there's multiple things that we can grow that just need to be eaten, not understood. You just We just need to eat it. So where I'm going with this is that, you know, yes, okay, we need to have these agreements that are going to be picking up this stuff. I'm a little concerned, honestly, with knowing the entities in which take these products of just this. Okay, so they're maybe or maybe not going to come pick up, but they pick up. Mine are pretty regularly because we have an agreement, but they may or may not pick up. But then what happens when they can't use it? Right. Are they, because they're not a part of this law, right? The nonprofits are not a part of this law. It's for grocery stores, distributions, and different areas. Are they allowed to throw it away? Because the majority of nonprofits don't have access to animals. Well, they're, they're, it's phasing in over a few years, and it'll go right down, I believe, like your households will be getting in a different another recycling bin. Um, I don't know if you're getting them right away or not. I haven't looked that far into it, but I know there will be another recycling bin, etc. So they would probably just be throwing it in their recycling and probably be going to make compost. I would imagine. Yeah, makes sense. Then they do go that way. But then let's talk about grocery stores and the way that labeling is required and sell-by dates. You know, now we are playing a whole nother game of understanding that sell-by dates are put there for a reason. Right. And it doesn't mean it's bad, though. I mean, all the stuff we used to get from Williams Brothers, we took a lot of it. I mean, we never were lacking fruits and vegetables at my house because it's half the stuff they gave you there's nothing wrong with it just reached a certain age i honestly think the reason why my family and i are so healthy is because we always eat foods that's fast <laughs> i'm the grocery store owner right like i don't get the choice of buying it fresh off the shelf all the time because i have customers that are going to need that first before i do right so we get the leftovers and we eat a ton of things that are past the sell by date you know, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, aren't you worried? I'm like, if it doesn't smell bad, eat it, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how we've become accustomed to things. And, I mean, there's things like, you know, sprouting potatoes that we've become accustomed to think that something's wrong with that potato because it's sprouting. To me, I want to eat a sprouting potato faster than I do the others because, to me, it's showing that it has the energy. It has life. It's alive. It's not been fumigated or sterilized so that it doesn't go, you know, you know, or green potatoes. Oh, my gosh, I'll never forget a little lady telling me that green potatoes were poisonous. Well, really? They should be dead. Because <laughs> I've been eating green potatoes for a long time. Like, green potato is just when the potato sees the light, and it changes its color. So it's it's funny how we have been marketed or accustomed to or 
or taught in a way that we don't even know what we're teaching. And yet now we have a government that is going to give us laws because there's too much. The yeah. government can't handle what they've created, right? I've been debating, too, whether I want to do coffee grounds again. I used to go get coffee grounds. It's yeah. just most of the places they want you to go daily. I can't do that. It's, you know. So. I'm just nervous about formaldehydes and just different treatments that go on with coffee. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I use all my coffee grounds in the from the kitchen and from our house in our own compost blend. I don't use a lot of it, though. We don't do that much coffee. There's a little bit of it, but not a lot. And that's, again, like, I feel like if this is what we're headed towards, you know, the, the mandation of no waste and creating compost, it's going to be big and understanding what is going to be allowed and what's not. Because I felt like five to seven years ago, we were on a movement. Remember, I felt like there was more composting going on mm -hmm. around us than anything. But what slowed that down? Well, remember the time in downtown Paso, there was a compost company that did the wrong activator with the wrong and sent <laughs> off a, you know, it, was, it had ammonia byproduct and the compost activator had a bleach <laughs> and it sent off a toxic gas and they had to you know, evacuate around the compost area in Paso. Like, to me, like, I felt like that kind of issues mm -hmm. is kind of what slowed these bigger companies from growing and building. Again, well, There's I, a lot going in. If you want to compost on a large level, there's a lot of licensing. Oh, my gosh. And most of the people aren't even licensed. I mean, they have enough to get away with it, but they haven't finished the process. And it's, you'll be, you'd be amazed how many people haven't finished the process. Well, how about the fact that, I mean, what? seven eight years ago the state of california for all composting companies you cannot legally allow any type of debris or anything from your composting facility blow or run off into your neighbor's um property so nothing blowing nothing wet nothing it all has to stay on your property so we have those rules and regulation like there's a lot right so Again, instead of us worrying about that, we need to focus on our own, taking care of our homes. We need to make sure that we are not wasting, that we're creating a better environment of no waste. I, I, I wish that we didn't have government telling us what we needed to do. I wish that we all could have gotten better together before it got there. We've all been aware, you and I have been trying to teach for years that, hey, this is happening you know, let's be preventative instead of reactive. Well, now here we are, right? Now these rules and regulations are going into effect. About eight years ago, I was invited to the True Cost of Food Convivium. And everything at that event was all about um, how cost of food convivium um, about eight years ago in San Francisco and everything about that event was about food waste there was policymakers there from the state of California there was there was a lot of very very important people when it comes to food compost farming water everything in that convivium and I used to say I'm like really I hope that we never have to have policy be made just to be able to do what we know is right and that's not to be wasteful yeah but here we are you know that was eight years ago i was at that event and 
it was it was crazy because that was also you know that's eight years ago you know people are talking about labor now and trace and trackability all that eight years ago was already being talked about so none of this that we're dealing with now is just a, a recent creation these are creations that have, have come down from a long time of processing but yet I feel like people in this community in the state let alone in this country just kind of sit back and wait mm -hmm. instead of taking the bull by the horns literally and taming that bull so that bull can be able to be familiar and that you know that bull so that you're not getting rammed or having to continuously fix fence just to keep that bull in oh wait i think i'm talking about my own self <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's a good metaphor of understanding like once you're familiar with something it's not very shocking right yeah. it's becoming this to you and i we're not afraid of what's gonna yeah. take place well i got giant worm bins so yeah they gotta eat <laughs> yeah you know? so you're happy to have all this compost you know and all these people potentially but, maybe contacting you and saying hey instead yeah. of you coming and picking up do we have a drop that we can uh oh yeah you know yeah and it's interesting I, I used to work with a company i believe they're out of oregon and um they actually had these bins they look like um big dumpsters and the um uh, a lot of what they're trying to get into is school cafeterias and yep. whatnot, but they're just giant worm bins, mm -hmm. and you can throw your waste in there. Uh, they have a calculation as to how much waste, how many bins kind of thing. The only downfall was the expense, you know, and for a government agency, it's probably not that bad because they don't mind spending your money, but for the large restaurant or whatever, it could get expensive really fast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, there's just, and there's just so much <laughs> for every angle, you know, but we're all got to start really looking at the basics, the basic fundamentals of what we really actually need and that we can actually afford and be able to be creative with what we have instead of always thinking we always have to have something mm -hmm. because there's a lot, you know, there's a lot coming at us. There was something that I read yesterday and in, in just familiarizing you know, I knew this was coming in. I knew it was going to be affected on January 1. But I wanted to see if there was any amendments or, you know, different different things that are going on. I read that um, there's a waste of water uh, addendment in it. And what the waste of water pertained to was distributions and or um, farmers. And it was food waste in that. Like, if they created so much extra crop that they couldn't move and it wasn't picked up, that they could come and implement a waste of water ordinance on farmers or distributions. And I, I kind of giggled at that because, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of water that it took to produce a crop, right? But yet, I'm almost a little terrified on that. Again, I hope people are listening and understanding that this is coming. But what if a farmer decides to not plant as much and only do its contract and that is it yeah. well if you look at salinas valley i mean there is a massive if you look at lettuce if you look at spinach the amount that actually hits the landfill you know, people will be amazed at it i mean i know yeah and, i've uh, seen it and, and i understand where it's where it's coming from and again that is waste of water i mean <laughs> if you think about it it is but well, a lot of that's due to packaging errors too i mean sometimes it's coming in crates but a lot of times that's for know, distribution where they were saying something about that 
Again, and I, I'm just sad that we have to make laws for common sense things. Like, really? We're that kind of society that we have to, the state to tell us not to be wasteful? You know, like that? I mean, yeah, I guess we do because that's what we've been doing. And not I. I've been doing everything I can for the last 26 years to not be wasteful. You know, I just yeah. compost, recycle, reuse, preserve, you know, conserve. Like, yeah. these are my words. These are the, this is what I've been living by for so many years. And here we are. Oh, yeah. And it makes it hard. I, guess, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about the whole Salinas thing. And that's just all nitrogen going in. There's no, I mean, how do you turn that into compost? You're thinking compost language right now. And that's, <laughs> yeah. honestly, too, I'm because wondering that same thing, too. Like Massive. I mean, I, could, I guess you could do it an, anaerobically. I'm just against the process, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've been to those dumps, and it's just if you, the amount of, when I say green waste, I'm, I mean literally green waste, which is generally nitrogen, or pretty much always nitrogen. You There's need, no way to break that down. You need yeah. carbon. You need yeah. carbon. Yeah, there needs to be a good balance. I mean, they're gonna need they're gonna need straw. They're gonna need you know some yeah. type of tree mulch. I mean, they're you know or mushrooms. We have more mushroom farms in California now, so maybe we can balance all of that out. But you know that's you know so much to be thinking about, so much to be talked about. There's so much new going on in this country right now that people are aware of or not aware of but at the end of the day we all have to be better as a society and as a community in order to get through the constant changing that we're doing that we are creating honestly for ourselves and i as i talk to more and more people you know there's so much going on that like these little things like composting it's they don't know or they're unaware. So I'm grateful that you're here and that you're able to, you know, have this discussion with me because I think you and I are going to have a lot of discussion to, you know, start to get people to really understand what composting really means. I think that, you know, with the, the Healthy Soils Initiative for California and knowing how many open land and people that want to start farming maybe, now with rain, I think that we're going to have a little bit more farmers that are going to come on board. I, you know, and everything about the whole Healthy Soils Initiative is applying compost. So although I sit here and go, where are these people going to get their compost and how are they going to afford it? Dealing with the state of California, why would you want to go that route? But people do, and I understand why. But like, we this, these next five years are going to be very expensive. Because there's, again, infrastructure, there's transportation, there's change, there's, you know, differences that are going to take place because of these kind of little implementations of laws that are going to change things. And so I hope that our nonprofits have the ability to process more fresh food. Um, I hope that we can get creative with the sell-by date stuff because, I mean, I know... A lot of nonprofits can't take sell-by-date stuff because of certain people being able to sue these facilities for feeding them, sell, you know, past the sell-by-date um, <clears throat> foods. So, you know, there's a lot to that, you know. Like, we, I feel like instead of fixing the situation, we just keep adding more Band-Aid layers, but the blood still keeps gushing through. <laughs> you know, we just keep adding instead of fixing. Yeah. 
but you know we will see we will see what happens you know we have three more days um prop 12 is getting ready to kick in that's the new pork law for the state of california grocery stores are panicking don't worry i got an agreement right now with beelers beelers is the one of one of not very many but there's some left pork farms that are compliant to be able to ship into california um as of right now our facility uh, here in our local area is compliant um talk to cdfa i'm compliant there's some questions on how they're going to enforce this new labor law or excuse me labeling laws but the that stuff hasn't caught up yet for because they're trying to deal with the imported stuff um again it's one of those things that it's like for a farmer like me and a person that has been like i would rather our community get creative with what we have instead of thinking we always have to have something you know these laws for me it's like fine you're going to finally enforce laws on imported stuff imported into the state right okay let's see how they really handle this and you know how they can come you know enforce these things on corporate law we all know what is going to happen it's going to end up in the courts but um you know like somebody like me that has been raising pork in an open pasture who's been only harvesting locally in our usda licensed facility only selling to my community i mean i don't have anything to worry about because i'm compliant in that world right now you know yeah stuff that's been imported people should know what's going on and how it's being done but we'll see how that is how that is to start testing your acorns make sure uh that would not be surprising. Please don't give anybody any more ideas. Because it's like, you know, t- testing my acorns. Oh, uh, by law, I have to not have food waste. Piggy piggies are like the best uh, consumers of food waste. I mean, I, I do crack up. So we put all of our green waste, you know, so anything that doesn't sell in the store or, you know, the leaves or the tomatoes that are going off or rinds, we put those all into one basket, okay, or one bucket. And those get taken out to my farm and and fed to my piggies. Those little stinkers, they're so spoiled. They go through and they rubbish and they get all the sugary things first. (laughs) And then they eat their grains. So I'm laughing because, you know, my pigs know, you know, their fruits and vegetables very well. And it's like, but that's how, to me, how animals should be able to eat. You know, to me, this is not something new. This is what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people this is going to be a little challenging so guys you want to have you know discussion conversation i mean eric is right here in our community red frog compost and teas you want to talk about composting you want to talk about you know getting compost or learning how to make it talk to him he is your resource for this you have animals or have want to get animals so that you don't have waste or you want to feed yourself contact us we i'm here to help i understand every level of law that is going on in this county now when it comes to raising animals for your own self for your own food source and i can help you i can help you and then i can teach you how to grow plants and feed yourself that way and i can tell you you don't need 12 plants for a family of four unless you're going to do a lot of canning and jarring (laughs) you know to me no waste is how we should be looking at this because can we really continuously afford to just keep being throwing it out of sight out of mind so i got an update on on so 
on a prior broadcast, mm-hmm. we were talking about probably in the, in spring. We were talking about um, Cody and how he came down here and was um, talking to you about his garden, talking buying my products from you, mm-hmm. and um, he said he had more tomatoes and more fruits and vegetables than he knew what to do with this year. Yeah. Wasn't he the one that's like, well, Melanie, I'm on a nature's touch plane, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a little different than what I'm familiar with. And yeah, I talked to him Thursday or Friday, and he was telling me, you know. That he had more fruits and vegetables that he knew what to do with. What an honor, right? Because it, that's, to me, I know what my plants are going to produce if they're put in the right environment. But it's funny because I do get that question all the time. Well, how many how many tomatoes am I going to get from this plant? And granted, like like heirloom tomatoes and the larger ones. If we have the hot, dry climates and we farmed them in the beginning of their life correctly, we're going to get so many we don't know what to do with. But granted, if we have a June bloom that goes into July that puts us off to harvest into September, oops, we got an early frost in October, like... How do I know, yeah. right? Like, that's the only way I don't know. But if I if I have the right soil and the right temperature, I know we're going to have so much food that we're not going to know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Granted, I always know what to do with it. Some, you know, I have creative ways of creating food any way we can. And I can make it to a recipe that you're going to like that it doesn't necessarily have my recipe. I crack up because in that world, too, like, everybody goes, well, what's the recipe on it? I'm like... Do I actually have to give you a recipe? Because every day it's something different. Yes, I'm playing with tomatoes every day, but this day it was a lot of orange kind of tomatoes that I made that sauce with. The other day it was more dark. <laughs> so how do you how do you get the exact recipe? You see what I'm saying? Like it's I guess if you're used to growing and using the same thing over and over again, you can do a recipe. But for all of us, it's you got to be open minded. You got to be creative with what you have. And for to have the diversity and the ability to take take my plants and have somebody like Cody Ferguson, I'm just putting his name out there because he's very opinionated. And to me, Cody? I, yes, Cody. <laughs> and I love every opinion he shares with me, and I honor his criticism that he brings to me because he doesn't understand, or he didn't understand our world, and we taught him composting instead of fertilizing. Dry your tomatoes out. You're overwatering them too much. You know, do this variety and not this variety. So to get that report and be able to have him rewarded in what you and I both know mm-hmm. was possible, pretty awesome. You know, that's like a, a five-star for, <laughs> for both of us. And I, if he's listening, I do appreciate um, the feedback and honor it very much so. So very, very exciting. Thank you so much, Eric, for that news. And, yeah, we, you know, we can do this. One plant, one one ability to not throw it in the trash and put it into a compost pile and at a time because that's what's coming. Yeah. So, all righty, my friend, we're at that point where we're needing to close up. I doubt that we're going to have another podcast before the first. I am going to get to have a little family vacation in the next couple of days. Um, so I won't be here. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, you'll be in your indoor swimming pool. Oh my that. God, I hope not. <laughs> my house is flooding. But yes, no, I hope not. We're, we're supposed to go to Catalina. Nice. 
And so I hope that we will be able to with all the damage. And waters. I know. Don't look just... I, I love looking at the ocean. I'm a little nervous about being on the ocean. I love Catalina because it's a family place that we go. And uh, it's it's funny. I Even all these years of going on the ocean or around the ocean, it still terrifies me. And so, yes, yeah. you just said that, it just gave me anxiety. But I'm excited to go. Yeah, are you ready for the 2022 year? Oh, yeah. I was born already. Oh, yeah, you liar. Wait, <laughs> when's your birthday? It's uh, Wednesday. Oh, the countdown has begun. <laughs> How old are you going to be? I think 38. Oh, shut up, Eric. <laughs> Constantly lying about his age. I know that's not the case because I'm not that age. But I know the birthday's coming, so I hope you have a beautiful birthday and uh, get prepared. You oh, know, yeah. It's just another number on the, on the, on the countdown, yeah. right? So it's exciting, though. But all right, guys, you guys take care. If you guys have any comments, you want to be a part of the show, you want to be a guest, contact us at naturesneighbor-growingfromourroots.com. You can find us, remember, on all the social medias. But hey, you want to have a link of every show text messaged to you, call me, text me, however you want. Leave me a message at the store that you want to be added to our text message notification. Again, my cell phone number. 805-712-3478 and uh, just say add me to the list and I will add you to the list. You will get a notification every time there's a new podcast updated. Alrighty, final thoughts, anything? Stay dry. And that's yeah. a little bit hard to do right now, but happy new year to everyone and uh, appreciate all the continuous love and support. Take care.